Hey friend, I'm Beth Ann Schwamberger, host of the Brilliant Business Moms podcast. This show is all about brilliant women, just like you, who are growing their businesses in the margins. You're juggling nap time and work time, wiping up messes with writing blogs, and I don't believe you need big, impressive numbers or shiny accolades behind your name to be brilliant. This show is about realistic, doable strategies that will work for you and your business right where you are. Big and little wins are celebrated here, and every single one of my listeners is a big deal in my book. Grab your coffee, and maybe the laundry, and be encouraged by business mamas who'll make working in the margins just a little more fun. Have you ever tried a new marketing strategy? Maybe it's Facebook and Instagram ads, and you tried it for a month, maybe two months, and it's not working out the way you hoped for. And you find yourself thinking, well, maybe ads just aren't for me. You are going to want to hear from our next guest, Katie Kiefer of TrueMoneySaver.com. Katie is like the unofficial mascot of the ads intensive of the Brilliant Business Moms uh, membership community. She crushes it with her Facebook ads. But what many people are surprised to hear is that Katie really struggled with getting her ads to be profitable and to work for about the first six months that she was testing and tweaking and trying all sorts of different things with her ads. And one of the biggest turnaround pieces for her was coming up with a different offer to get those brand new ice cold customers in the door. She needed the right offer, the right messaging, the right journey for her customers. And then her ads became more profitable. And of course, she's just been doing amazingly well with her ads ever since for, I would say, at least the last two and a half years or so. And ads have grown Katie's business in such a big way. You'll actually hear about all the things she doesn't do in her business anymore because ads are where the profit and the fun is at for Katie. All right, let's get to our chat with Katie. So today on the show, I have with me Katie Kiefer of TrueMoneySaver.com. You all will love hearing from Katie. She is like the BFF of everyone inside the Brilliant Business Moms membership. She is just so much fun. You will love hearing her story. So welcome to the show, Katie. Thank you so much for having me. So I'd love for you to just tell everyone, you know, what you do with your online business and a little bit more about yourself. Okay. I'm like the OG, the old grandma of blogging because I've been around for so long. I started out as a coupon blogger in 2010 and it took and do matchups and ended up with a team of 10 full-time employees. And it was a lot to manage. And then in 2016, Facebook shut off the reach of pages. And I didn't realize that all of my, my whole business was built on Facebook traffic coming from Facebook. So we had a little bit of a crash and I had to learn how to fire people graciously. And thankfully I've stayed friends with all of them and ended up learn, having to learn SEO, learn to be a CEO basically <laughs> with SEO and, and evergreen content and creating my own products and, and then ads added to that. So I ended up rebuilding things and what the, the, pivotal point in my business was when I saw your webinar about brilliant product launches and heard you say, and I'm sure you've heard me say this a million times, <laughs> but when you said, it's not your product, it's your marketing plan. 
And I was like, okay, because I have testimonials from my products, but they're not gaining traction. And so once I signed up for that and learned how to do an actual launch and create things, then my business started taking off. So I owe it all to you. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, I'm your biggest fan <laughs> by far. Well, I'm your biggest fan too, Katie. Because here's the thing, and this is what I want everyone listening to, to know is like at this point, we all come to you, Katie, and we want to know what are you doing with your ads? What's your latest ad strategy? Like, could, because you're so intentional with what you do with your ads, you, you know, you love numbers. And so, yeah, it, it goes both ways. It's like early on. Yes. I was help. I was teaching you, but like now I learned so much from oh, you. That's sweet. Thank you yeah. so much. Love so that. I didn't say what like my business is my, so true money saver. I help busy moms who basically to have more money and to be able to spend freely and eventually go on vacation because little kids grow up really quickly. And so I like to help them with shopping strategies and it's more of a hands-on organic kind of a feeling than an investments in larger topics kind of a feel. So that's what I really do. (laughs) my, My day job is helping people manage their money. (laughs) That's right. And I love too, that you are so clear. You always talk about your mommy, meaning like that ideal customer that you serve and you are so clear on who she is and you know, what her day-to-day life looks like, what her struggles are. And I think that's just made you such an incredible marketer because you speak right to her in a way that other personal finance influencers are not. That's funny. It's probably because I lived it for so long (laughs) that I know it so deeply, but yeah, getting crystal clear on who that person is. And the other day I was thinking about it because I was, now I have a membership and, and I was, you know, I'm going to launch it again. I've launched it one month and, and it was, and it's, been so much fun. <laughs> so, so going into, I'm like, okay, well now everyone's asking, can I invite my friends? Can I have more people in here? So I'm like, okay, I need to launch it again. And as I was setting up my emails and my marketing strategy for that, I was thinking, you know, it's really clear for me to say, this is not for you. If you have $10,000 in savings, please don't join us because you're going to be bored, you know? <laughs> and so it, almost all of those like you really cannot serve everyone. And I was talking with a a good friend who is starting to help people with, with basically their healthy life with losing weight and not necessarily diet, but just healthy lifestyle. And I said, well, who, who would you want to, uh, to come to your class? Cause she's doing classes like four week classes. And she said, I want anybody to come. I don't care who it is. And I was like, oh, I remember feeling that way thinking I can serve anyone. But then I said, okay, hold on. Let me ask you a couple of questions because you can't serve everyone. If someone already understands what's happening and how to do this, are you going to be teaching? cooking recipes to take them to the next level. And she's like, no way, I'm not doing that. I said, right. So you can't serve someone who's at that stage in their life, you know? So that clarity is, is so important. It's really hard too to think back. People ask me now, why do you have such a good relationship with your husband with money? And I'm like, gosh, I don't know. Like, I don't teach on money relationships and spouse, you know, how your money impacts with your spouse because it's been so easy. And I haven't gotten a chance to dig deep and go backwards to think, what do we do with our money on a day-to-day basis that makes us successful and not fight about it, you know? 
That's interesting. Yeah. I and that's actually a good point though, too, of like some of the things that come really naturally to us, we can take for granted that that's actually a skill that you've like refined and learned over time. And then you have to kind of go back and study yourself, right. And figure right. out like, yeah, what, what did we do? Cause I find that a lot with ads and decision-making on ads. There's oh, yes. Right. And you're in the same boat too. People, people will ask us all the time, like, well, what do you do here and here? What are your, what are the decisions you're making every day with your ads? And you, you forget that that's really like for some people knowing when to mess with an ad set, add something new, test something new over here, what to test. It's overwhelming to them, even though for us, it feels real it feels pretty easy. Yes. <laughs> yes. It becomes second nature. And that second nature is like, you've got to dial it back and go, wait, what am I actually doing? What is the second nature part where it's simple for me? I gave ads a lot of grace in the beginning. I did. I was like, oh no, it's had one sale. This ad, you know, has had one sale. I'm going to leave it on for another $50 or whatever. And then it would never get a sale. And the big difference between then and now, <laughs> which that was a long time of getting to the success part, <laughs> is that now I'm like, this is a service. If it doesn't perform, then it gets shut off. Like it is clear, cut and dry. And it took me so long to get to that point of being com comfortable to say, nope, you're not performing. Delete, you know, turn off, turn off, turn off versus maybe it'll get a sale tomorrow. There is no maybe. It either gets a sale or it doesn't get a sale. And it's like, turn it off. <laughs> I save my profits. <laughs> I love that too. And I mean, you do have, again, like such a numbers focused brain where it's like, yeah, you can, you can come up with those rules for your ads that say, if it's not meaning this wicket that I've set, it gets turned off. Okay. And here's something for people listening where maybe they haven't run ads before. Here's something that's really cool about ads, which is unlike, let's say you're working with like someone to help you write SEO optimized blog posts, or you're working with someone to help you do Pinterest marketing, or you have an ads agency. It's way harder to fire those people when they're not performing versus like what we do every day, which is just fire certain ad sets and certain ads that don't perform. It's like, that's really easy because it's just a machine. We're not hurting anybody's feelings. Right. Machines, right. Fire certain ad sets and ads. So anyway, well, my Pinterest was, I can't, could never break. I've spent thousands of dollars. I could never break into Pinterest hmm. and I had a, an agency run running them for me. And I was losing money month after month. And my husband was like, okay, we've gotten to, we're losing $250 now this month. Like he was analyzing it for me. And he's like, when are you going to reach out and tell them that this is just, this relationship's not going to work anymore. And I was like, I don't want to, they're my friends. Like after 18 months, they had made pins for me and had gotten to know my content and all that stuff. And I was like, all right. And then I just sent the email and said, I love you, but I can't pay you. <laughs> like, like, this is not working. So you're exactly yeah. right with ads. It is. Yeah. But we give ads so much more grace. Like we think that we get attached to those, those <laughs> creatives that we've spent forever making. And we're like, Oh, this copy just perfect. Sounds so good. You know? And so I always think to myself, that was the difference way back when <laughs> October of 2019, I think it was when I kept, I would leave them on, leave them on, leave them on. I was like, now I'm now it's cut and dry. 
Yeah. Nope. <laughs> cut and dry and like cutthroat. You're pretty cut. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Better perform. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, and which, yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit, like some more of your ad strategy, but I would love for you to share, you know, when you first dove into Facebook ads, what that experience was like, because, and again, even when people listen to this episode and they hear how well your ads are doing now, I think it's easy to assume, oh, well, it's just always been easy for Katie, right? She's always had great products and which you have, right? Mm -hmm. But, oh, so her ads must've just always worked, but that was not the case at all. (laughs) Unfortunately, I think so encouraging for people because it's easy to want to give up too soon when it comes to ads. Yes. You're only going to fail if you give up. It's so true. Yeah. But back then, so I was selling my savings, a savings product. It's building your emergency fund, how to add $500 to your emergency fund in 30 days. And I was getting glowing testimonials that didn't even, I mean, every testimonial on that page is like, I saved over a thousand dollars. So they really were unbelievable. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, if I was reading the page, I'd be like, I don't believe this. This is a lie. So, so then I start ads, putting ads. And by the way, that product, because of brilliant product launch, that was, I had struggled and struggled and had paid thousands of dollars to other coaches and had only been able to get a 400 to like under $500 launch every time. So then here I use brilliant product launch, my first four figure launch. And I was like, okay, now I know it really was the product really is good. I can sell it. (laughs) Then insert Facebook ads intensive where we learned how to sell them with ads. And the first six months was like so challenging because there is a definite congruency that you have to have between what your offer is and how you're presenting it on the page to what your ad looks like and is resonating with and then to, you know, the after, once they become a customer following up in those, those kind of sequences. And for people who don't buy, <laughs> getting if they've come in through a freebie, trying to get them to purchase also through a funnel. Because, I mean, I remember saying at one point, okay, this is a great product. However, sometimes you can have a great product that you can sell really well to like your organic audience and your email list. But as far as it being that entry pathway to get someone who's never heard of you before to see it in a Facebook ad and want to buy it. That's like a whole nother universe that I think sometimes is a challenge. And that messaging is so important. And I was getting it wrong in the beginning. And so then eventually you said, Katie, I think you're going to have to come up with a new offer. (laughs) This is is not working. So, so I did, I was like, okay, well, whatever my audience is at, let me see what my audience is asking for. And then started that new product. And that was much easier to market and much easier to talk about. And then also it had, it had more realistic testimonials instead of those crazy testimonials. So what's fun is I took that initial product and I put it on the back end as an upsell. And now it sells all the time. <laughs> we sell, I sell lots of those every day. <laughs> so that's, that's more fun. Yeah. So you spend about six months essentially with that initial offer, right? Your jumpstart, your savings and, you right. know, doing that to people with ads. And I mean, yes, you, you tweaked that sales page. I remember so many times and you tweaked your messaging, but yeah, at the end of the day, and just like you said, the marketing plan works as far as it's selling behind the scenes, but it's just that 
getting a brand new person with ads to respond to it. And you're right. Maybe the biggest issue was almost like the testimonials were too good to be true. Yeah. I think, you know, what else is I was attracting the words that I was using on the sales page, like little phrases that I didn't realize were innate in there. And the words I was using on my ad were attracting the wrong person. And when I got that person in, I couldn't sell to them. Basically, I was attracting a broke person who could not afford my product, but I, my heart is to help everyone, you know, to help anyone who's who a broke person who needs help. Right. But the marketing had to change in order to be marketing to someone who's ready to, who's willing to do, to make the changes, to be successful. And there's a huge difference between someone who's complaining about being broke and someone who's only broke temporarily and wants to get out. Yeah. That's a good point. Okay. So then tell me about the offer that, and the the offer that you pivoted to is what you're still offering now. Every day. Yes. It's the, and it's my tried and true offer. So it's basically an anti-budgeting program called the cash flow formula, and it helps people manage their money, but in a way that it's a spreadsheet based program. Cause I was a senior financial analyst before I was a mom. (laughs) I have an accounting degree from the university of South Florida. So like numbers are my jam, right? (laughs) I feel my love language is Excel. (laughs) If you're really talking about it. So this program, you just enter in your income and it tells you what your budget is. So you don't have to sit there pouring over past bank statements and making a zero-based budget. I love zero-based budgets, but they're for million-dollar companies, which is what I worked for. And that's how I can say that (laughs) versus because like it's a big argument throughout the financial personal finance community, like zero-based budgets are the only way to do it. And I'm like, nah, let's not do that. Let's base it on current income and instead go forward because I don't, your past is your past and it doesn't really matter what happened. Let's, let's focus on the future. So, so that's the program that I sell now. And what's funny is when I first, and I guess really why I love ads too, is because they're almost instant testing of things. So when I was in these $5,000 coaching programs, they would say, you got to validate your idea. And I was like, oh brother. And that means like emailing personally, I was emailing 50 people at a time for weeks, trying to see, would you buy this? What's about this page that makes sense? Like not even selling the product. I just feel like I wasted so much time trying to validate something that with ads, you can validate in like 48 hours. (laughs) In three days, you're like, did this work? Did it spend 60 bucks? Without a sale, it's a it's a fail. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to the next thing. So with the cash formula, I my husband said basically it was about to be the new year, and some friends friends were consistently coming up to us at church or at sporting events, and they'd say, "What do you use for your budgeting? Like, what what should I use? It's the new year, you know. That's what everybody's talking about. Budgeting is in the new year." And I'd say, oh, you need to go use Dave Ramsey's this and one of these apps for that and like several things. And my husband was like, you're a big liar. He like called me out. He's like, that's not what you do. Why are you telling them something that we don't do personally? And I was like, well, because I just use this spreadsheet and it's like boring. It takes me like 10 minutes a week. And he's like, that's what they want. They don't want all these bells and whistles and things that are taking no time. And I'm like, all right, to prove you wrong, I will send out an email to my email list and I will tell them, here's this thing that I made. Do you want it? And we sold 140 in three days. 
And I was like, darn it, he's right. <laughs> he was right. So then I just prettied it up, added videos, <laughs> turned it into an actual course. And then now I sell that all day long. Yeah. So that's been, let's see, maybe over two years, two and a half years. Yes. Of yes. selling the cash flow formula. And that's like, that is your main entry point where you're getting cold traffic. You bring them in as new customers with your right. app. And it's under like the, it's, it's $29. Like it is so low priced and, and it changes lives. Yeah. So, so you've got a good product and you end up selling it under what, you know, it's valued. And then they come in and then they also might need help with debt. So I created a, a debt freedom system, like six months after my cash flow formula had been selling, tested that with ads. It worked. <laughs> so then, then I started selling it. And then obviously my jumpstart your savings, which was my original product. I was like, okay, something's like, I don't, I'm too close to it to know how to market it correctly. So let's put it on the backside. And that's what I sell as an upsell. Yeah. Lots of people buy all three. So finally, I guess my initial attraction of customers got correct. Finally, that got her to the point where I was attracting people who could afford to spend over a hundred dollars. Once you buy my, you know, all three programs, Versus someone who really barely had $24 to spend, you know, or the first price that I launched it at. Yeah. And this is something too, I think that a newer business owner or marketer just doesn't maybe fully grasp is just how much of a difference those little tweaks can ultimately make. Not that every, I mean, sometimes we make a little tweak and we're like, oh man, we thought that was the thing and it didn't, you know what I mean? And it didn't help right. But it's right. like, it's, it's like constantly investigating and inspecting what we're offering and making those little tweaks until it works. And then I just think it's amazing that now for two and a half years, you've had like this one evergreen offer that you continue to just sell with ads over and over again. It brings in awesome customers for you. And I know that now you are a big proponent of what you call lazy launching. I want to hear a little bit about that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, okay. So when I, <laughs> it's like exposing all the secrets behind, behind the scenes. When I was a senior financial analyst, I was known for in the office. I worked there for five years in court. It was a corporate. I worked for Baxter International Healthcare Company. Like I can say what it is, you know, I'm not trying to hide it, but I was known for taking projects or basically I took over all of payroll, which not payroll, like paying people. We're talking payroll from the accounting side of who gets paid, what, where, and there were 11 different divisions and I automated it. Like I, I, I was like, I cannot type all of these numbers. I'm fast on a 10 key. I'm fast on a keyboard too. So basically when something comes to me, I try to make it as efficient as possible. So launching was so exhausting, you know, like you've got to do the, the live video and you're doing a webinar and you're doing three days of a challenge and then starts open cart. And then you've got to do all of these emails and like in between the emails, you're doing a bonus, an early bird bonus. And then a, a this bonus. And, and I was like, I, I got to streamline this. I can't, I can't have like for 10 days where my whole family and life has to go on hold because of I'm launching a, a, a what $30 product. You know what I mean? Like I just can't do it. So yeah. Yeah. I turned it into a lazy launch, which is where I just write 16 emails, which sounds like a lot, but when you're doing them ahead and scheduling them, then they're not so bad. No live things, <laughs> basically just sending out targeted 
emails that resonate with my audience of, of going through that brilliant product launch process of like telling them what, what do they need to believe to be a customer and what kind of things are they worried about won't, will, will happen when they have success or what kind of things do they, they're struggling with on a day-to-day -day basis that this is going to help change their day-to-day, -day. you know, like get, let's get raw and real about what this is really going to do. Not those high and fluffy, like this yeah. is going to make everything wonderful. You're going to be wealthy by tomorrow. You know, like you see those things. I still see them. And I'm like, how do people, nobody could be buying this possibly. It just, it just isn't going to work. So then it just became, all right, here's these emails. It's all done. I mean, one thing that changed that was being able to use lead pages and direct funnels and have timers that, that redirected my pages so that when the sale was over, it was actually over, you know, so there was not, no, no live component that had to be turned off by me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then it just became, all right, here we go. We're just going to email, send out 16 emails and, and then see how it goes. And we, end, we've had our average launch is around $10,000 in revenue. So, I mean, if we use ads or not, then that would cut into it. But I don't use any, I have some affiliates, but they're only evergreen affiliates who do it to their list. They'll send out things to their list on their own. And then I have a set dedicated sales page for them that it goes to with their own timers and stuff like that and discount codes so that that way it's kind of separate, but I don't, I'm not going for a six figure launch because, because it takes so much work to do that. And you know what? Every time I look at like bloggers who say I had a six figure launch and here's what it did. Not every time, because there's some that I ha I haven't looked at all of them, but it feels to me like, wow, not only was it a ton of work, but then they paid out a ton to yeah. affiliates and to ads and to VAs because you have to have someone helping behind the scenes. You can't possibly do that much work on your own. And so it feels like, okay, they probably only net 10,000 and I can make 10,000 and not do any work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> more revenue does not necessarily mean more profit. <laughs> yes. I mean, that is such a good point. And I think that's something like in the brilliant business moms community, we see a lot where a lot of the business owners we know are basically saying like, you know what, I'm not going to do all the fancy stuff and all the bells and whistles because I can keep things simple. I can keep them way lower stress. I'm happier. My family's happier and there's more profits in our pockets instead of, yeah, you know, like, I think we've just been trained on in this online world to think like the pinnacle for everyone should be a seven figure business or an eight figure business or whatever it is. And it's like, you know what? that's a lot of work and stress. And so yes. that's not necessarily the right call for all of us. We actually, I mean, yeah, that, that discussion came up in the membership recently and man, so many of the ladies in the membership, I'm like, they've got amazing profit margins. Their take on pay at multi six figures is like the same as someone who does have a seven figure business because they've got such high profit margins. So yeah. Super cool. I love that part of the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> That's the fun part. Yeah. Okay. So one thing I wanted to bring up though, too, is when you talked about your average launch, you typically make more than that every month 
from your, just your direct profits from your ads as well. Yes. So ads are like way more profitable, (laughs) but that could be because I'm in personal finance. And so my, my email list, which I'm approaching 50,000 on my email list. And you know, when I came to you in October of 2019, I had just cleaned off 31,000 people. I had deleted from my email list because they had not opened in six months. And I knew they were just freebie seekers who had been on there just for couponing stuff. And I was trying to shift my focus. I went from being true couponing to in 2017 being true money saver. And so I was like, all right, I'm just going to get rid of the dead wood because it cost it, that free email service <laughs> cost me to pay active campaign over 300 bucks a month, you know? So emailing them and versus being on doing my Facebook ads, I've got Facebook ads kind of dialed into where it's just checking in in the morning, making changes. So say 15 minutes to a half an hour, and then twice a week doing, creating ads and doing the actual thought process of what has to go in and scheduling it. Nothing is like, I'm going to make it today and send it out live tonight. It are, it'll, well, I guess midnight tomorrow would be the soonest that I would send anything out just so it becomes easy to manage that. And for all of 2021 from, I launched in January for budgeting and then I didn't do another launch at all, which I feel bad like saying, but cause I was making enough money with ads. I didn't launch until October when I did my ultimate holiday planner. Wow. So That's like so- that was a long time. Cause especially because in 2020 I had been launching every six weeks. I was like, I'm going to just launch and keep getting those profits and then launch and keep getting those, you know, like, but by 2021, I didn't want the roller coaster and I didn't want the extra time. And I had, I have four children who we homeschooled them all. So (laughs) three have now graduated and my youngest is a sophomore. And I just wanted to be with them. Like if I, instead of spending all of the time talking or sending out emails and doing all of the things you, you can even see, like, it's pretty pathetic on my social media handles. You'll be like, Katie never posts on social. Well, that's because my strategy for social is just to create a warm bucket to then put ads to. And I'm like, eh, my cold is working right now. I'm just not going to do that yet. (laughs) I mean, it's obviously like guilt. I feel guilty in the background that I'm not doing it because I need to show activity out there. But at the same time, like until I have a solid VA doing it, I'm not going to do it. (laughs) I mean, you're focusing on your highest return activity. You're exactly yeah, right. Mm-hmm. For you is ads and then some lazy launches. Like you know. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I would love to hear what do you spend on average per day on your ads now? What's okay. your average like return on ad spend? And then I know you mentioned kind of how much time you spend on ads, but I'd love for you to kind of dig into that a little bit more too, because okay. I think people do assume that if you want to make a lot with ads, it's going to take all your time, which it doesn't necessarily have to. I think a lot more of the time is like when you're still testing, like, is this offer resonating? Which audiences respond? Which ads are the best? It can take a good amount of testing all those variables before you get some winners. But then once you have those winners, it's kind of a different process. So yeah. Yeah. So I I mean, I can be honest and say it took a hundred ads before I had eight to 10 winners that I knew I could put any of these 10 out to a new audience and make money. 
Wow. And so it's, it's, yeah. So that's kind of like, okay, that's not fair for, I, I tend to, I mean, I do help people with their ads. And so I'll tell them for, we're going to get one winner out of every 10 ads you make mm-hmm. because there it's, it's definitely, but that winner can run for years. Like I've used one same ad <laughs> for years that just works, or I'll use that same copy with a different image and switch that where you, I use the same, you know, same image with different copy. So, so you gain some, some momentum along the way, but that initial part is really, really hard of the making sure your offer is resonating, you know, you're talking about it correctly. And then that those ads talk about that correctly and attract the right person. Yeah. That's such a good point. I, I like that phrasing too, of like one out, one out of 10, only expect one out of 10 of your ads to work really well. And I think most of us are not willing to do the testing that really we should do, you know, even it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. And when I test, I'm so specific with making sure that they're completely different. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can look at my ads library and be like, Oh, Katie's testing. Cause that one doesn't look like the others, (laughs) you know, because I want to see what is it that's actually working. Is it those words or is it that image? What's, you know, and you can only tell that if you've got some prior tests that are saying, okay, now let's test the variables out there. Yeah. And then once you do find something that's working though, because here's where I feel like things are different than like before the 2021 iOS update, it did feel like more of us could have a few winning ads and like run with those for a long time. And it was great, but now it does feel like we have to feed the beast a little bit more. Yes. So do you find that like, once you have those winners, are you kind of like making those little iterations on the winners so that you you're feeding the beast with something that's like, it's in quote unquote fresh, but it's really just a tiny tweak off of your winners. Yes, I definitely do. I'll take whatever's winning and then I'll just change that hook, that top three lines, the first sentence that comes in and make a new one. And so like my, my best ad is one that the first sentence says, become a budgeting superstar. And then that, when that one was running and it just, no matter what I did, I could put it out to any audience and it would get sales consistently. I was like, all right, let's try another hook. So use the exact same wording, same image. But then I said, budgeting doesn't have to take long. What if you could budget in less time than it takes to unload your dishwasher? And it's like, Now that was a, while it was still a positive angle because my audience does not respond to pain points whatsoever. They Mm -hmm. only want to hear about being inspired and that it's going to be successful for them. They do not want to continue. They already, they tell themselves, I hate budgeting. I'm bad at money. So they don't want to hear it from me to tell them that too. So I only do positive angles. And when I say this can take you less time than it takes to, to unload the dishwasher, they're like, that's what I want, you know? So then they do that. So then I keep making iterations that are sim- similar to that, where it's like, okay, how can we positively talk about budgeting and what you're going to su- get successful afterwards and keep get feeding that monster, <laughs> like you said, something that's new, but that is reaching a different part of the audience that I'm advertising to. Oh, I love that. And that's another great point. You are always reminding ad students that, Hey, whatever awesome winning ad you have, there's still a limit on the staying power of that ad because like you said, every, our audience of potential customers, while yes, we have that ideal customer in mind, 
just like you're saying, one person is going to respond to become a budgeting superstar, whereas another person is responding to, oh, this isn't going to take me much time. So there's, there's, there are these like sub buckets within our ideal customer audience that we've got to be reaching. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I always told myself when I think about my van, I drive a Honda Odyssey. I've always driven a Honda Odyssey. This is like my fourth one. I love the sliding doors. My daughter doesn't understand. (laughs) I'm like, I can, I I just, I love my van. Even though it's huge, I act like it's a little, I park in compact parking with this huge van (laughs) because to me, I'm like, this is little. I love this thing. I can get everywhere and I can fit everybody in it (laughs) safely with a seatbelt on. Well, when you think about marketing, being the purchaser of the Honda minivan, I would buy it because of the sliding doors, but my husband doesn't care about the sliding doors. He's not carrying children and bags and groceries and all that stuff. He wants it so he can flip the switch on the, on the trunk and open it and get his golf stuff in. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you have to think that same van has to be marketed for someone who wants sliding doors, someone who wants a safety rating and someone who wants an automatic trunk, you know, like there's just different ways to market it. And that's the same thing with our products. Every product we have, people think about it differently. Usually those answers of what our product is are found in those testimonials. As soon as you get one testimonial, it's like, oh, this is how they view my product. When we were couponing, we did couponing workshops to teach people how to coupon. And we had this little coupon cutter and it was called the slicer. Like the product was called I slice. I had to pay $1,200 to have a trademark to buy that stinking cutter. Okay. And so we would say, who wants a slicer? And we would sell thousands of these slicers. Okay. It was, uh, it was, it was crazy. And so at a workshop, when they saw it happen, they would see it cutting and that it would cut out of the center of the paper and didn't cut through two, two sheets of paper and everything. So it was like, they would buy it. But online, I couldn't seem to translate that over, even with videos and everything. And I finally dug deep into when people were sending back, I want to buy this, and realized they don't call it a slicer. They call it a cutter. It's a coupon cutter to them, not a coupon slicer. And as soon as I changed that one word, they sold. Crazy. And I was like, yeah, insane. So yeah. it's all about that perception of what your customer is seeing your product for, not necessarily how you and internally you call it a slicer. It's actually a cutter. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Okay. <laughs> how much do you spend a day on your ads and like what, yeah, what's your return on ad spend? So daily, I spend around $500 a day and my profits are really high right now. My ROAS is, is consistently 1.8 to over 2.3. And that feels really good. Like the other day I had a $900 profit day and I don't have those often. My average is just around $400 in profit every day, but it feels really good when you, (laughs) when you hit a a stride and you've got something that's working and it's like, okay, all of these stack up and then you can get that big profit day for the month. Then the other issue is when you get to a profit level of like 10,000 over $10,000 in a month, that's when it does get really hard to manage. My daily check-ins are easy. I'm just basically make setting twice a week, setting up new things. And then every day checking to see if those work or not. Most of the time I can check that from my phone. And I really try to prioritize not giving it extra thought process where it's just turn off, turn off, turn off, and then evaluate what's happening to double down on what's working versus spending all day in ads manager refreshing and seeing how is this, you know, do I really think that this one's going to work or not? It's, it's cut and dry. It's either working or it's not. And when my ads weren't working and I was struggling, 
I would see a sale come in and then it, and then it would wait and I would see another sale come in. And the difference was night and day when I had a working ad, it was, you couldn't not get sales from it. So at that point, when you get to 10,000 in profits, that's when like you, you have to have more creatives. So that takes more time. So basically I helped Karina with her ads and she would say, Katie, you have this process where you can just dial down the ads. I mean, I know it sounds bad. Like I don't want to make more than that because I can't handle, I, I don't, I don't, I only have one VA who's helping me with customer service. It's almost like, I don't want to get that massive because I know I've been there before and I know what work it takes. And right now I can handle this. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> it's like my lazy launches. I could do more with my launches. I could do the live every day. I could do the mastermind. You know, I could do the Facebook group and, and separate that out and have everybody join it and then have all the interaction in the Facebook group. Or I can make easy profits and just do easy and go to volleyball games with my son, you know? So yeah, yeah that's a different concept of like, I don't, I don't, I'm not striving for the most successful. I'm just yeah. striving for consistent successful. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. So how many new ads do you test every week? That's a great question. Like six, probably between four and six every week. And now I've started doing video ads, which is a whole nother world. Cause you got to put on makeup <laughs> and come up with scripts and then edit them. <laughs> Editing is definitely not my strong suit. So hire out anything that's not your strong suit. That's another tip. And so I always test four at a time at $25 each. I used to only test $50 and $40 for each ad set. And I changed that down to $25 because I noticed that I needed to go across three days of people going into Facebook. Yes. So like I noticed my best day of ads is Sunday. It's always Sunday. Like if I put anything new out, it's going to be on a Sunday because I can test it with the knowing that that's my best day. But then people aren't on Facebook every single day. They might not be on Facebook at all on Saturday because they got busy and they were at this weekend. I'll be at a volleyball tournament. Now I will probably check in throughout <laughs> as I'm sitting there waiting for him to play, <laughs> but I might not have enough time to actually go through a checkout process when I'm out in, in the world and having fun with my family. And so my audience is the same way. I have to think about, they might not have time to do that either. So I wanted to give them three days to be able to actually be on Facebook and have a little more time. So making that budget a little bit smaller allowed me to have the longevity of an ad to see if it actually worked instead of just shoving it out there at a hundred dollars and then only being able to test for four hours and it yeah. spent $40 without a sale, you know? Right. A totally different concept. Yeah. I love that you do it that way because I I've always been nervous of like the one day test. Because again, just like you're saying, people are on Facebook and Instagram on different days and different times. And so having it stretch over a few days gives it, yeah, just that wiggle room to make sure because I just always worry that it's like, what if it was just a bad day, right? Like there just didn't happen to be the right ideal customers for someone on Facebook on that day. But then the very next day, it could have been totally different. So yep. yeah. One other thing that I want to talk about is that what's magical about Facebook ads. So I get, because of having been an OG, which I'm calling old grandma blogger, <laughs> <laughs> I've got lots of monthly traffic because I spent so long working on SEO. So I get like a hundred thousand unique hits in a month. And 
you would think that that also translates into sales. And it does. There are, I have tripwires and things set up and products and I always promote them to go to my store and they buy. But majority of my refunds also come from those people. And that's because Google and SEO, it's like it's on their mind. So they're actively searching, which is not a good thing. You would think it is, but when they're actively searching, they're like, hmm, they're skeptical. Do I really like this? Should I keep searching? Should I keep finding a solution? Whereas the pixel has actually identified things they've said, things they've also searched for, things that they've, I, I swear, I think it thinks it can read our thoughts, <laughs> things we thought about. I don't know. I don't know the exact workings into it, but boy, is it powerful. So when they see your ad, and I know it's called interruption marketing because it's, you know, they're not expecting to see this budgeting program pop up, but then they go, Oh, I am interested in budgeting. That customer has already been pre-warmed up in their own stuff that we haven't seen. And when they buy, they're a perfect person. And so the best thing ever was when I got started to get emails saying, where have you been my whole life? I have been wanting this product and you, and Facebook showed it to me and you got it. And I'll say to friends, Google finds me customers who test it and then they ask for a refund. Whereas Facebook finds me Christian coffee drinking cat lovers who are so excited that they found me like they would be my best friends in real life. And that's why it was easy to then launch a membership because I spent all these years by advertising and trying to capture purchasers instead of the freebie seekers from Google. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting because yeah, I think most traditional marketers would say, Oh, you want to be that person that shows up when someone is searching for you. But instead with Facebook ads, it's more like, it's like this vibe of who your customer is. And then you show up in their feed as almost like surprise, here's a gift just for you. That's like, it, it is exactly what they need, but it's almost like, here's what you need before you even started searching for it. So Yes. And then that customer just loves you for life. No, because you met that need. I love too that you, I mean, that's something that you've talked about so much over the years of how much you love your ad customers. And I think that's another misconception people have is that the people that they earn through organic traffic or organic social media are somehow inherently better, higher quality. And like, that's no, and you're not the only one that says that too. I mean, I have so many students where they're like, oh man, my email list finally buys now and quits complaining about me promoting products. One, they've built an email list full of customers that they earn via ads. So it's like, I I mean, I don't know all the inner workings of that, but yeah, if, if anyone is thinking that an ad customer is somehow less valuable, most of us would tell you they are more valuable. Way, way more valuable. (laughs) Around and they don't complain as much. Don't ask for refunds. Yeah. Yeah. Along those same lines, I didn't get to touch on the iOS 14 update. So I'm like probably the only person that you'll ever hear say this, but I love the iOS update. (laughs) (laughs) What, like, I mean, it's not, it, it made marketing a little bit harder and I think it got rid of the competition, which is even better, but pre iOS 14, it felt like Facebook would throttle my ads. If I had an ad that was performing really, really well, it'd be like, nah, we don't want you to have that many sales in a day. That's what it felt like. I'm not, I'm not accusing anyone of anything, (laughs) but, but after iOS 14, now I use Hyros for my tracking and I can see where Facebook is guessing at those 
things and they're working harder to get me purchasers. Like, honestly, it feels like Facebook is like, okay, we know we can't track this. So we have to go full force and make sure your ads are in front of all the best people and then they perform. So since iOS 14, my ads have been way easier to make, to be profitable. Like before iOS 14, I think I was hovering around a 1.4, 1.5 ROAS okay. and I was spending 500 to $1,000 a day too. Yeah. And then now I don't have to spend as much and it's a higher ROAS with less customers. Okay. I didn't never really thought about all of that, but that is better. So I think Facebook is just like, all right, we'll give you more now. Yeah. I, I think too, people keep talking about like rising ad costs and I'm like, the costs are not like higher. Like my, here's the way Facebook charges us for ads is with CPM. So they charge us per thousand impressions per thousand eyeballs so that see our ads in the feed or whatever. But like those numbers haven't gone up. I think what what people are mistaking is like, okay, yes, you have to have good tracking in place. You need Hyros or you need Google Analytics because Facebook ads manager is not going to give you the real scoop at all. Do you right. No, we don't trust ads. <laughs> no, unfortunately, we pay a lot of money to Facebook and they're tracking and they don't track things for us. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> kind of funny, but that's just the truth. But I think it's more that there might be a rising cost of like testing or, but even then I'm like, well, I mean, you're living proof of like how much testing you had to do to find your winners even several years ago. And you continue to test a lot now, but yeah, when people talk about rising ad costs, I'm just like, they're really not rising. It's just how, how willing are you to be consistent with your ads to test and to, and, you know, you brought up a really good point, Katie, which is people try to do those tiny tweaks and iterations too soon. Instead of like, when you're first testing, you got to do all the different things. Everything right. needs to look wildly different from right. each other. And also you need to be willing to like test that video ad versus that static image, you know, versus maybe a carousel. And so people, I think, get into this, they're like way over here. They've already narrowed in and they're like, I wonder if I change this color on my ad image, if that will magically get me like, right. that's not like no, <laughs> don't, that's, you can't start there. You have to, you cast a wide net first, even though, yes, you're still clear on your ideal customer. So that's not what we're saying, but like you cast a wide net with how you talk about your product the creatives that you use and the, and the different audiences that you're testing. And then it slowly like narrows in as you go along. But yeah, yeah, can I just say that like the Facebook ads intensive walks you through that process. Like if you had not shown me that, and especially if you hear this and it's the after picture of, well, now Katie only changes the top hook. Yeah. Like that's, it took me a long time to get that one ad that worked that then I could change just the top hook. I mean, yes. it obviously took, you know, nine, my mom and I say, let's get through our nine no's because that's <laughs> what we want first. Yeah. Get through those nine no's so that we can find that one yes. And then run with that. Yes. For years. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. You're such a great example and such a great ads teacher now too, to, you know, everyone. So well, Katie, this has been so much fun as always to chat with you. I mean, I feel like we could chat business and ad strategy all day long. It's always fun. But as we wrap up, do you have either a funny or an adorable mom moment to share? Yes. Okay. So I have, it's funny, <laughs> probably not adorable, <laughs> but you know, I'm a mom of three boys and one girl and my daughter got married in November of 2019. 
and she now has a baby. So now I'm a grandma and the baby is eight weeks old. And we traveled to Virginia from Florida in the car. There were six adults and one baby. And we went in, in my van up to Virginia. We had just stayed overnight and I'm perpetual. I call it perpetually being on plan where I'm always eating low carb ish, like <laughs> always ish eating a low carb. So I I'm watching what I'm eating. And when we woke up, We'd stayed, stayed overnight at a hotel and that morning they had a breakfast there and it was a free breakfast and it wasn't that great. And I was like, so we get in the car and we're all, you know, all buckled in, everybody's ready. And I said, can we stop at Starbucks? Cause I saw it, it like through the parking lot over in the same area with our hotel. And everybody's like, oh, we already ate. We had waffles and we had all, you know, all hash browns and all these things. I mean, it was a good breakfast, but just not a low carb breakfast. And I was like, well, I didn't, all I had was coffee and a boiled egg. And they were like, and so everybody's like, all right, mom, we'll go for you. You know, it was this big deal to go to Starbucks. So we get in the line of Starbucks and we, and everybody orders. So obviously they were glad we had gone. <laughs> we get up to the counter and it's one guy, only one guy in the whole store doing all of it. And he's like, I just want you to know, this is going to take a little bit of time. And now my husband's like, really, Kate, really? You had, you had to order Starbucks, you know? And, and of course everybody ordered extra food. And, and so we had this big order. Okay. So just that moment, the baby starts pooping in the, in the seat and we're all, we can all hear it. We're like, Oh, this is going to be a bad one that, Oh, get her out, get her out. She doesn't, so she doesn't get anything on this car seat, you know? So Annabelle takes her out and it continues. <laughs> so, and you know what, when you have a brand new baby at eight mm -hmm. weeks old, well, she was younger then that a blowout is like, massive it's epic right so annabelle opens the door she's like we have we have a problem we have a blowout and we're and now in the meantime i'm with the in the you know i'm in the behind the driver's seat talking to the guy at starbucks and he's handing me one drink at a time you know so so it's like and he has no idea he's oblivious to the fact that on the other side of the car there is a blowout happening so annabelle opens the door christopher gets out of the passenger seat he's gagging my husband is videotaping the whole thing He's like, this is hilarious. This is paybacks. This is poppy paybacks. <laughs> He's videotaping. The whole thing got all over Annabelle's pants. <laughs> we cleaned it all up just as the last drink was coming in the window for Starbucks. And it was perfect. And we were on our way. And I said, you're welcome. Because that would have been happening while we were driving on the road. <laughs> That's true. We got to get out and we got to clean it up and we got to get rid of the... <laughs> of the whole diaper and everything. So, yep. That's just mom moment. I think everyone can relate to. <laughs> yes. Oh man. The blowouts. That's right. It's hap it's, it'll be happening again in my house. Here's yep. <laughs> be uh, ready, girl. <laughs> which, okay. That reminds me holding still to this day. This is like a core memory for him. He all the time will bring up, he'll go, Levi, I remember when you were a baby and you were on the changing pad and mom and dad were changing your diaper and you pooped so hard and far that it's Right the door. It's our bedroom. Door. And it was ripping down the entire door. He's like, it went to it projected like two feet away. This is this. He will never forget that moment. And he loves to remind me. I have it. Oh, that's so funny. Like, yeah. Oh. What is yeah. it? 
that's just what, that's what babies are. No one talks about that. <laughs> they all talk about the cute stuff. They don't right. talk about the reality. That's right. There's 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 a lot of poop involved with <laughs> yes. with being a mom. So that's yeah. right. <laughs> well, thank you again, Katie, for spending time chatting with me today. You're welcome. Anytime. You're always a joy. I'm so grateful to you and what you impact you've made on my business, girl. I well, same it. to you. Yeah, same to you. I'm I'm still I'm always picking up new ad strategies and, and things from you. So it's so much fun. Remind everyone one more time, where's the best place for them to find you online? Please come visit my website at truemoneysaver.com. You can look me up on social, but you won't find a whole lot happening there. (laughs) So it's better just to go to my website and reach out and I'd love to help you manage your money better. That's right. And maybe they'll see one of your ads. In their feed. Yes, now that we're talking about it, you will probably see one of my retargeting ads. <laughs> That's right. You never know. Love it. Thanks, Katie. You're welcome. Okay. Did you walk away from that loving Katie just as much as I do and all of the other brilliant ladies in her membership do? She is just so much fun. She's so positive and she's so stinking brilliant, right? She's very strategic with what she does with her ads and with her business. I always love chatting with Katie. And of course, now it's your turn to head out there and be brilliant. Brilliant. 